0: This afternoon, and uh, before the defensive walls come flying up and and people stop their ears because they don't want to hear this, which is um, the tendency in the world we live today, it seems like among many people, they don't want to hear what the Bible has to say about separation. Uh, And I want to make two statements very plain at the very beginning. Just because we are to show the love of Christ does not mean that we have to join them to win them. We can love people and still be separated. And just because we are separated, this is the second statement, just because we are separated does not mean that we do not love people. Both of those statements need to be understood right at the onset. We live in a day where Satan has caused people to look at the subject of love and the subject of separation, and Satan has put it in the minds of people that you have to choose between one or the other. May I tell you this, God expects us to do both. And it is vitally important that we understand that there is to be truth spoken in love and separation um, being adhered to in our life is in no way saying that we do not love someone. And in the world we live in today, if you preach a standard... Uh, or you preach a separation issue, the world will come back and say, well, you're just being mean-spirited, and you're being, here's the word they love to use, legalistic. The legalistic word is so misused. What legalism means is that I have to live a certain way in order to be saved. That's what legalism is. It does not mean that I ought to live a certain way because I am saved. That is not what legalism is. And the truth of the matter is we ought to live a certain way because we are saved. That is not legalistic or legalism. Now, if we demand that somebody lives the way we live in order to be saved, now we're legalist. But if all we're saying is there is a moral law of God that we ought to adhere to, that is not legalism. That is declaring the whole counsel of God and it is speaking the truth in love. So very important that we clarify this at the onset. Because I'm going to give you five things today, Lord, or four things, I'm sorry. Uh, Lord willing today, uh, maybe, a, maybe a fifth one, but the fifth one kind of relates to one of them. So we may combine those two. But i uh, give you several things that the Bible has to say regarding separation. We're going to start off with number one. We want to know what is the foundation that the Bible gives us for why a Christian ought to be separated from the world. And by the way, we ought to be in the world, the Bible says, but not of the world. So even though we live amongst the world, there ought to be something different about us. There ought to be a separation, there ought to be a distinction, there ought to be a testimony, if you will, uh, for those that are uh, what we consider to be unsaved or even those that are claiming the name of Christ but live in a very carnal way. So let's look at 1 Peter, first of all, chapter number 1. 1 Peter, chapter number 1. Let's look down and go to verse number 15. 1 Peter, chapter 1, and verse number 15. But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy And I want you to notice this phrase, and if you have a pen, you ought to underline it. In all manner of conversation. Now again, it's very important to note within the context, when the King James translators translated our Bible, the word conversation had multiple meanings. We don't use those same old meanings all the time in current conversation. We use the word conversation to mean something we're speaking but in Old English, in the Webster's 1828, you'll find that conversation also meant your lifestyle, the way that you live, your manner of life, if you will. Uh, and so you say, well, how do I know when it's talking about my conversation from my mouth and when it's dealing with the conversation of me living my life a certain way? And the way to know that is by the context of the passage. He's dealing here with holiness and the fact that God is holy. Holy. Uh, is God only holy in His speech? Okay? Then we would have to say that within this context, if we're to be holy as He is holy, then we're to be holy in every aspect as He is holy in every aspect. Now, that will come that will include the things that we say. We spoke on that last week. But it will also include the things that we do in our lives, our actions, our lifestyle. And so he tells us, Peter tells us, uh, that as He which is, has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written. So this is not just Peter's words. Be ye holy, for I am holy. So our first our first thought about separation is uh, the motivation for, for being separated is that we need to be holy because God is holy. He is our example. He's the one we look to. And we can go so far as to say it this way, because we are commanded by God to be holy. That is what it says here in verse number 16. He says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, I'm going to stop there for a moment, because the truth is, we could pray and go home right now, couldn't we? How many times does God need to tell us something for it to be a command? Just one time. As parents, those of you that are parents, know what I'm talking about when I say this. When we uh, give our kids... Uh, 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 something that we expect them to obey and we say it to them, uh, when do we expect them to obey it? After how many times of saying it? After the first time. That's all that should be necessary. Correct? And again, in the Christian life, all we need is for God to say it one time for us to say, okay, I'm going to obey that. And we could really just end it there and say we're to be holy because God told us to. And that's the only reason we really need So, But I want us to look at some other passages of Scripture and see what the Bible has to say about the subject of separation (coughs) to kind of help undergird and support some things in our mind. The second thing I want you to know about separation is that it is an issue of obedience or disobedience. It is not an issue of how I view things or how I think about things. Um. A lot of times people say, well, it's okay for you to be separated, it's just not for me. Well, that's not an accurate biblical statement. The the separation, the idea of separation from the world is something that every Christian has been commanded by God to be. And it is not up for discussion, it is not up for debate, it is not up for uh, my opinion versus your opinion on it. It is something that is a biblical precept that is established throughout Scripture. Uh, Let's look at several verses, and uh, we're going to turn first to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, a very familiar passage. A lot of people know this passage by heart. You can quote it, and that's great. I hope you can, because if we hide God's Word in our heart, according to Psalm 119, it says, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? Sin. Sin against God. So the more Scripture you memorize... The, help, the better help it is to keep us from sin. So Psalm 1, let's look in verse number 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So he gives us three things that we are not to do. And they are dealing with uh, the, the inclusion of ourselves in the works of those that are sinful men. Being under their influence, being around them, being involved in the things that they're involved with. And the psalmist said, Blessed is the man that does not do these things. Three things that we should not do, according to Scripture. Uh, We should not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We should not stand in the way of sinners. And we should not sit in the seat of the scornful. Now, does that mean... uh, Does that mean that uh, we can, uh, in order to reach uh, this particular group, we can go ahead and uh, condone and even be involved in the same worldly carnal things that they're involved in so that we can relate to them and they will listen to us? I mean, is it the whole purpose to get the gospel message to them? And people that would say such a philosophy as that are people that believe that the end justifies the means and it does not matter whether we obey or not. But the truth of the matter is, we've been commanded by Scripture to be holy as God is holy. We have the precepts of Scripture that teach us over and over again of things that we should not do, things that we should stay away from, things that we should be separated from. Let's look also in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Brother Mark mentioned this Wednesday night. It's a great passage of Scripture. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, verse number one, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Here's the phrase holy, acceptable unto God, which is your extraordinary service. Is that what your Bible says? It's your above and beyond the call of duty. Is that what it says? It says it's because it's because you' it's your what reasonable service that means that it is just what should be in the Christian life it's the norm it's not the exception to see a Christian that is separated in the world we live in today. A lot of people say, "Boy, there's a Christian, and, and boy, he thinks he's, uh, you know, Billy Bible Thumper. He's a, he's a goody two-shoe. He's a square. He's, he's fanatical for the Lord. I, I mean, it's, it's okay to be for the Lord, but he's just kind of over the top. Can I tell you this? That's not what separation is. Separation is the reasonable service because we're saved. It just ought to be what's natural for us." It's not even exceptional. It's not even extraordinary. It's not even above and beyond. It's just reasonable that we live holy, acceptable unto God. And then he says in verse 2, And be not conformed to this what? World. Don't let the world fashion you and mold you. In my day, back when I was a young person, uh, the... um, I don't like to even use the phrase, but it was the term they called themselves: the the Jesus freaks. You remember that story? the the, the group that came out the, that came out there. I, I met I met one of those fellas one time back in the nineties, and he was a leftover hippie from that time period, it seemed like. And uh, to talk with him, nicest fellow you ever met. Would talk about how much he loved the Lord and everything, but he had long hair. He had all kinds of things going on with his appearance. He would go to places and, and party and, and drink and do all these things that the world was doing. And, and his whole excuse for doing all of that was, I've got to reach those people. That's not the way we reach people. When we live like that, in order to reach people, all we tell them is we know that the problems are there, but we don't know where the answers are. What we need to do is come to them as a separated Christian. Someone that's Holy. And say, I know the problems you're in, and let me show you that Jesus is the answer. Because look what He's done in my life. Look what He's done for me. I'm not any better than you, but the Lord Jesus has done so much for me. Wouldn't you love for Him to do it for you as well? And we've lost that in the world we live in today. So many, We're reaping the results. Let me put it this way. We're reaping the results today of ministries who have done that in the last two decades. We are raising a generation of people who live worldly and carnal, out on one side, and then out of their other mouth they claim to love the Lord, and they are they are comfortable in their sin, and they even no, no longer are they just comfortable in it. That that was 15 years ago. Now they are celebrating their sin, and flaunting their sin, and all the while saying. God loves me, and I love Him with all my heart. And He understands I just have to be this way. Can I tell you, those are the results of a couple of decades of ministries teaching that it doesn't matter whether you're separated or not. The Bible says we're to be separated. Our world is in desperate need for God's people to once again have a sense of separation and holiness about them. Look with me in 2 Corinthians One of the notable things about the church in Corinth was that they were a very, very worldly church. Wickedness went on in the church of Corinth that that Paul said it should never, never be a part of a Christian. Look with me in Second Corinthians chapter number six and down in verse number uh, seventeen. Uh, let's back up. Uh, I'm going to go back to verse fourteen because I think it's the, the entirety of the passage is help, helpful here. Be not be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Now I'm going to stop there for a minute. How many of you have heard this passage preached that when it comes to finding a spouse, you should not be unequally yoked? And you feel like that's been the application of this passage. For all the years. Now, there's no doubt that certainly that does apply. But it doesn't apply only to marriage. It deals here, and look at the context and what it says in verse 14. For what? Fellowship. We're not to be equally yoked, unequally yoked together with unbelievers, even in the issue of fellowship. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't be kind to them. It doesn't mean that we can't try to reach them with the gospel, but I'm not going to become their best friend and include myself in their sinful and carnal living. I'm going to have no fellowship with that. So he says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial? Now, Belial is another name for Satan. What concord? What, what, is there some kind of a, a peace that, that, that Christ and Satan have? Is there some kind of area that they can agree to disagree and just be friends about? No, no. Satan and Christ are at enmity. And so, what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be My people. Wherefore, in other words, because of that, because God made that statement, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye, what's the next word here? Separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. This is not speaking to unsaved people. This is speaking to Christians. Again, just because we are separated does not mean we don't love people. But we must not and cannot join in with their carnal living. We cannot be accepting of it. And the greatest love that we can express to them is to show them the error of their way from Scripture. To be able to come to them in a spirit of meekness and say, this is not right. And boy, we are desperately in a need for people who would name the name of Christ. I'll tell you this if, if every politician that said they were a Christian in, in, in the White House, in, in Washington, would live this, our country would be completely different according to the laws. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to legislate morality. You can never legislate morality. What needs to happen is there needs to be a revival in our churches of Christians that will hold to this. Let God do a transforming work in the heart. Look with me in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. <clears throat> Again, I'm not on a soapbox issue this afternoon Although it probably ought to be our soapbox issue It's not that I'm doing this because this is my opinion Or this is just because I feel strongly about this Although I do, and it is It's because the Bible says it And we don't teach it often enough 1 John chapter 2, verse number 15 John writes this: Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and here's he's specifying. He's not speaking here of individual people and their souls. He's speaking of their lifestyles. You say, how do you know that? Because he specifies it in verse 16. For all that is in the world, and then he gives a list of these things that he's saying we're not to love: the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. So it is the world's uh, worldview, if you will. Their philosophy, if you will. It's, it's their, their character that we're not to love or to have any part of. We still love the people. We want to reach them with the gospel. But we cannot and must not follow after their, their things. I'm amazed. I'm appalled at, at so many times. I've, I've spoken to my kids about this. I've spoken to other kids about this and other parents about this. I'm appalled at how much Christians try to be like someone they admire in the world. They buy their clothes, they put their posters up on the wall, they listen to their music, they follow them on the movies, and and we say, boy, that's my favorite actor, or that's, boy, I like this, or I like that. They're of the world, folks. Those are things we're not supposed to love. We're not supposed to say, that's my hero. I'm not saying you can't ever watch a sporting event. I'm not saying that you can't ever... Um, have some kind of amusement in your life that you can enjoy kind of refreshing and relaxing and having a time away from things. But folks, we must not hold them up as our heroes and things that we love and things that we desire, because what ends up happening is we become covetous of that. We begin to look at that and say, that person has a lot of money, they have a lot of influence, they have a lot of fame, they have a lot of fortune, (laughs) They have a lot of wives a lot of times or divorces. They have a lot of problems. But we look at this and we put their posters up on the wall. We, we, we laud them. We think of them. And we think, boy, I wish I could be them. And we don't, may not ever say it that way. But when we hold them up as, as the ideal, what we're saying is, I, I wish I could be like that. There's only one person we should ever hold up before us that we should say, I want to be like that. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got to be careful that we make this an issue that is a commanded issue by God and an issue that is taught by biblical precept throughout Scripture. It's not just one or two times, although if it was only one time, that should be enough. But it is throughout Scripture. It is continuously reinforced. It is continuously reminded among God's people this should happen. The, the example of Israel is a great picture. Uh, in Exodus, uh, let's turn there a minute, Exodus chapter 33. <clears throat> really, if you, if you think about it, pretty much the entirety of the Old Testament is a historical account of a people that God loves, has chosen, and desires for them to be separated unto Him. And yet, they continuously do not separate themselves unto him, and they go after the the other countries and the other affairs of the world. And really, if you think about it, the entire Old Testament is that history of that issue of God pulling his, drawing his people to him, saying, I want you to be separated unto me, peculiar people, distinct. And then the entire Old Testament pretty much is dealing with the nation of Israel saying, With our mouth, we'll praise you. But with our lives, we're going to follow after the idols of the others. Look with me in Exodus chapter 33 and verse number 16. Moses is speaking and says, "...for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated." I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Moses said, how are we going to know about this? We will separate ourselves. I and the people, we're going to separate ourselves. This is how it's going to be known that we have found grace in your sight, that you go with us. We're going to separate ourselves unto you. By the way, the New Testament tells us herein do we know that we love Him in that we keep His commandments. And so, again, making sure that this is a thing where we're, we're bringing glory to God by obedience to the thing of, His separ- of this issue of separation. And then, uh, let me say this, number three, <clears throat> it needs to be a daily practice. It needs to be a daily practice. This is not one of those decisions that you come to an altar and you make and you write the date down in the front flyleaf of your Bible so you don't forget the day you made that decision. And then from now until the time you go to heaven, um, you just say, I made that decision that many years ago. This is something that you will have to practice and make a conscious effort at every single day. It is a daily issue. Let's look in 1 Corinthians for a moment. 1 Corinthians. I would say that the Apostle Paul is probably one of the greatest examples of Christian living that God has chosen to show us in Scripture. Um, Because of the volume that is said about him and his life, Some of the transparency that he has in recognizing his own faults and his own conditions um, is probably one of the greatest examples that God has chosen to give us. Now, whether or not he was the greatest in in that time or not, I don't know, because I didn't know everybody in that time. But certainly, he's the one that God has chosen to give a prominent amount of information about in the New Testament. And so he's the one that's writing here, again, uh, to the church in Corinth, chapter number 9. <clears throat> Verse number twenty four He tells them, He says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for masteries is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. This is a this is a daily battle. Uh, the effort has to be put in. I, uh, every once in a while, uh, have found or seen video uh, footage of maybe a, a, a nationally recognized athletic event of some sort. I've watched as uh, folks on a football field, a man's running down the field, and uh, nobody behind him. And uh, he, they're, they're, the clock's winding down, he's getting ready to score the winning touchdown, and the crowd is cheering And just as he's getting ready to cross into the end zone, he throws the ball down and it doesn't ever cross the plane and he loses the touchdown and they lose the game. Or he looks behind him and thinks nobody's here, so he begins to jog into into the end zone and somebody catches him from behind. I was watching one uh, a while back where a fellow was doing a race, a bicycle race, and he was way, way ahead of these guys. And as he's coming to the finish line, he can see it, and he's pedaling, and as he sees it, he sits upright and puts his hands up, and he's coasting to the, to the line. And the guy behind him sees it, and he doubles his efforts. And just as they come across that line, it's a photo finish, and the guy that came from behind beats him by a couple of inches. I use those examples to show that as Christians, when it comes to this thing of separation, we can never get to the place where we see the finish line, so we throw our hands up and coast, listening to the accolades of those around us, saying, boy, you've done a great job. We've got to press until we cross the line. Why? Because there are those that run the race, all of us do. He says only some of them are going to be crowned. Only one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. Push to the end. Press toward the mark. Romans chapter number 7. Romans chapter number 7. If you ever get time to read through this entire chapter, it's a great, great chapter on the battle that Paul faced in his own body. we am going to read a portion of it here this afternoon. Look with me in verse number 18. He says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. In other words, he said, I have a desire that will is there. But how to perform it, that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Now, I'm going to end there for a moment, and we're going to read a few more verses in just a moment. The issue of separation is an ongoing, hour by hour, minute by minute, battle and war that is being fought in every one of our lives and it's something that must consciously be dealt with all the time it is fine to purpose in your heart and make a decision and make some safeguards and set some some uh, standards in your life and I, I think that's well and good and you ought to and those are things that you can do and you can say okay i did this Ten years ago and I've not departed from it, I still hold to that standard. That's fine. But the issue of separation is not just an issue of standards. The issue of separation is that that conscious, driving desire of our flesh nature that wars in our members every moment of every day. Are we keeping our standards? That's a part of it. But that's not all of it. A lot of it has to do with our minds. A lot of it has to do with even the way that we speak to somebody. Small things, little things that are not becoming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Things that are sounding like, looking like the world. You've got to be careful of some of these things, because they they are things that Paul said are, he says it's a law. He said that when I would do good, when my desire is to do good, when I would do good, evil is present with me. It's a battle, he says. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body this body of death, of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then. With the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. It's a battle. We need the Lord's help in doing it, and it is something that we must battle daily. We must battle daily, moment by moment, this idea of separation and separated living. Living holy, because God is holy. And then lastly, uh, we already mentioned this before our foundation was that he said be ye holy for i am holy god has commanded it of us god has given it to us by way of commandment turn with me if you will to ephesians chapter number 5 ephesians chapter 5 and this will be our last passage we're going to read a significant portion of this and we'll be done ephesians chapter number 5 in verse number 1 Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Well, how are children supposed to follow? Pause for a moment. Look over in chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, okay, here's some... If we're to follow God as dear children, then here's some instructions to the children. You ready? Children, what's the next word here? Obey. Obey. If we're to follow God as dear children... First and foremost, we must obey Him. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. How are children to follow God? They are to obey, and they are to honor. If Paul is speaking to you and I, If Paul is speaking to the Christians in the church at Ephesus, and he's telling them, all of them, adults and everyone, you are to follow God as dear children, then what he's telling us is you need to be obeying God and you need to be honoring God. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. But fornication and how much uncleanness? All uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. You mean, Pastor, I can't do it even a little bit? Not according to Scripture. Now We all ought to have this desire in our lives. I'm not so naive as to think that we're all going to accomplish it, this side of heaven. But we all ought to be pursuing it. Neither filthiness, verse number 4, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this we know, that no whoremonger, or unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Would we say that that is separating from them? I think that's pretty clear. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Well, we heard that verse back in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, didn't we? And verse number 1, excuse me. For it is a shame, verse number 12, it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. Whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee what? Light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I think it's easy to see from Scripture and safe to say that it is the will of God for every Christian to be separated from the world. I don't care what other pulpits may say I would rather follow what the Bible says than what a preacher says any day the Bible tells us that we are to be holy because God is holy separation is not a word to be avoided it is not a shameful word it is not, is not a word that expresses our hatred toward men it's not hate speech to be separated. It is simply being Christ-like. It Is being obedient to our Father. And we do not have to choose between loving the world and being separate. When I say loving the world, those the people of the world, loving their souls. We don't have to choose between love and separation. We can love them and we can be separated but we are not to have any part with their unfruitful works. There is to be a distinction among God's people to where the items that the world follows after, their characteristics, their ungodliness, their fleshly living, their carnality, should not even once be named among that which becometh a saint. Separation. I hope it will be a help to you as we go through these things because we're living in a time where In our pulpits, a lot of times if you turn on TV or watch on YouTube some of these preachers around the country...